Hello and welcome to What We Couldn't Say on Sunday. Here is Pastor Sam, and we're going to talk about his sermon from not this Sunday, but the week before that. That's right. And we're in the studio twice today. We just recorded one about your last one, but we felt like it'd be really helpful to make sure we go back it and uh, go back to it because it's such a valuable and important topic. And also, I said that we would cover it in the midweek, and I don't want to be a liar. I noticed that in your sermon. I did say that. Yeah, you said that. Yeah, and I don't know why we didn't do it. Yeah, we oh, had busy pastor's, pastor's conference. Time. Yep, we had pastor's conference. That's why. Yeah, but we're doing it now. So for yep. those of you who are waiting, wait no more. Yes, yes. Um, I want to ask you, what would you please um, fill us in? What was the remind us? What was the main point of your sermon? God wants to do his work through your work. That's profound. Yes. Well, it it should be in one sense because we often dichotomize or create this secular and sacred divide where there is a Christian thing, spiritual thing that he likes, which is church and Bible study, evangelism, and all that kind of stuff. And then we commute over to our real jobs where we push mops, sell drinks, sell insurance, customer care, whatever your job is. And then we say, that's not pleasing to God or that's not spiritual. And the reality is God has ordained work as a, as a means, his means to be able to provide for all people, right. both his people and not his people, mm-hmm. and to bless them and to point to himself and to be an opportunity to be a missionary outpost and to be a light and so forth. And so there's all these um, facets of work that can be redeemed for God's glory. And it's a good thing. It's a, something that was before the fall. And something that will be probably, most likely, will be after the fall at some level. Sure. Uh, sorry, not after the fall, after Jesus' return. Right. Which is a huge, huge thing because we think about work as a curse. And it's not a curse. It's been cursed. Yeah, it's been cursed. But it's not a curse in and itself. Right. We can redeem it by God's grace. Not perfectly, not fully, but truly yeah. by God's grace. And work actually alleviates a curse, doesn't it? Yeah. Like when that's done, right. When done well, like it, right. it doesn't remove it like Jesus does, but it. Right. But we see here in America where it's a very productive nation. Yeah. And the effects of the curse are less here than in other places where they don't have as much, you know. Right. You know, as much work and, and things like that. But but again, because we're in a fallen world without Christ reigning everywhere in every heart, we. Even though we have alleviated realities, some realities of the fall, we have the opposite effect where we have greater realities of the fall, greater independence from God. Right. right? So it's kind of like pick your poison, right? Yeah. And so we can't fix it. We can't bring the full shalom of God onto this earth apart from Jesus' perfect reign. Amen. Right. But what we can do is we can be a signpost and give tastes of what it looks like yeah. um, for his glory and the good of people and for evangelism of people and, and many more things. So we can do God's work through our work and we should not make like distinctions between, oh, you pastor are doing God's work, but me as a janitor or as a teacher, I'm not doing God's work. Right. Well, in one sense you make distinctions. Yeah, mine is more directly connected to church, the edification of the church. Right. It's a different kind of calling. Yes, but it's still valuable, right? right. Um, and so I, I do believe that there are degrees of valuability, uh, value, uh, and that's one of the points that I want to address. I've, so I have two main things I want to cover. But do you, did you have any questions or things that you wanted to add before I get into it? Well, I just thought that's helpful. I think so, – so I go to Aldi to shop, and 
you know, I, I, I walk past the, the refrigerated section, I pull it open, I just, and I pull out 12 eggs and, and buy them. And I think it's profound and helpful to think that God is giving me those, those eggs for that. You know, that's, this is God's way of feeding me as, yeah. as his creature. Like, it's not like I went to church and, and God yeah. showed me mercy and then now it's not, not that, but that, but that everywhere you go, um, he is blessing us with the things that we receive. Yeah. And, and he's using people as his instruments to give us those things. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what things did you want to touch on? So two things. One is finding your calling or vocation. Okay. And the second thing is how to become exceptional, because that's one of the points that I make. Sure. Becoming exceptional in what you do for the glory of God. Let's start, start with the first one. The first one. Okay. So calling is a tricky term. We use it all the time. I'm called to do this. I'm called to do that. I'm called for missions. I'm called to stay. I'm called to be you know, married to this person. And the other person says, God never told me, right? Or, or things like that, right? So we use the call, the word calling very commonly in our culture, in our Christian culture, um, which is tricky because when you follow calling in Scripture, it's primarily about salvation. Sure. Not about job. Right. The, the idea of vocation originally came from like a calling from God. And I, I do think there is a reality where... Although you can do all things to the glory of God and do all things with contentment and joy and in a way that pleases God, even if it's not in your zone, I do think there is a level of calling that everybody may have in a sense that we've all been there when we've seen somebody in their element. Like, wow, like I've never seen you in that environment that's you like that's like clearly you were made for that sure and it's a beautiful thing it's a worshipful thing whether it's something like someone seeing uh someone use their gifts on a in, in athletic endeavor wow you're made for that kind of sense yeah. you know where you got like the eric little and and he's running and it's like wow um i've heard both really? I'm, I'm in his biography right now little? i'm hearing little oh. yeah even though it's ddell Whatever, okay. whatever it is. Yeah, I'm hearing little. Cool. That's yeah, great. it's weird. Um, yeah, I don't understand because it's not spelled little. Um, no. Yeah, but we do that, right? We just, we, we whatever. Um, so you got Eric Liddell or Little where you see him running and it's like, man, he was made for this and he feels God's pleasure as he says. And then you see other people kind of in their zone, whether they're an engineer or a craftsman or something like that. Maybe they're great with customers and you just see them. You know, maybe you visit a, a church member at, at their job and you see them interact and they're in their element. And you're like, wow, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. And um, would, would maybe the Lord gifted you to do this be maybe even more yeah. less ambiguous than he called me to do this? Yeah, yeah. He gifted. Yeah. yeah. And he gave me an opportunity. Now, here, here's a couple things that I want to say with that. I think there, there, we have to factor in a couple realities. One, there's seasons of life. There are certain seasons. Like for me, I think, you, you can confirm this or deny this, I think my zone is being a pastor. I confirm that. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Good, good. All right. Uh, oh, you're fired. Just kidding. Um, but like, um, you know, I, I remember even seeing one brother visit our church after we started the church plant. And he was like, oh, it's, it's great to see you in this. Mm. Because he knew how much I was chomping at the bit and just struggling being in school for, you know, 12 years full time sure. straight. You know, just like, oh, man, you, you really, that, you were not made for academia, academia Sam. <laughs> and everyone who's seen me in my element and not in my element, like they, they know two different Sams at, at some level. Right. Right. Um, but the other, so, so there's an element of 
I could have, I did everything that I did before. I did to the glory of God. I could do it with joy. I could do it with compassion. But there's something about being me and my element. But in my life, I have other passions too. My number one passion is is to be to be a disciple maker, to love Jesus, and 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 do the work that I'm doing. But I could see myself in other professions one day, maybe. Uh, but seasonally, this is what God has for me. I, I think that's a helpful way to think about it. The reason why I think God. So when Spurgeon says, "If you can do anything else, yeah, do it," you wouldn't necessarily say. I don't agree with him fully because it's just a different context, you know. Even though he's like my my dude, you know, yeah, my te- my thesis statement, my, my thesis topic is Spurgeon for my THM right. and everything like that. Um, I've been saying that for five years, so I can eventually finish that THM, right? Um, and um, but it was a different context, you know. People could do it, you know, not for the love of God, and and it was acceptable. In it was a state society. church. There's a state church. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So totally. It's not apples to apples. Um, and everyone is trying to be Spurgeon too, right? Right, so he's right. trying to push away yeah. so I, imitators. He also says in other writings, he talks about like, hey, the Lord's man, you know, if he's a, he's a pastor, he should not be one who's not who's incompetent in everything else. And just happened, well, I can't do anything else. Well, he had one guy trying to apply to his pastor's call and say, hey, I failed at everything else. Like, hey, I thought Oops. I tried to do, be a pastor. And he's like, I don't want you. I want I want the best, right? Yeah. I want those who, who could kill it in other areas and, sure. and crush it. He didn't say crush, but he said something else, right? Yeah. And and I think that's reality. And so I think it's helpful. Like right now, um, and I'm going to get into missions as a calling too, and, and, and a segue right now. I think I've re- wrestled and prayed, should my wife and I move overseas uh, to Unreached People Group? And right now we have a sense and we've been confirmed with other people, leaders and community that it doesn't seem like God wants us to do that right now. Okay. But just because it's not right now doesn't mean never. Right. And I think that's really helpful and freeing for me is because if he gives me um, a normal life expectancy for a Western person, I have the potential to pastor for 20, 30 years. And to go overseas for a number of years and to do different things. You have two then, careers. Yeah. Then that's – I think that's a freeing reality is that God could call you to different places for different reasons for different seasons. Right. The other thing that's really important to, to wrestle through is, is that there is an overall call, a great commission commit call for all Christians. Mm-hmm. And I think so many Christians that I meet in America especially have already told God what they will or will not do. Mm. They've already given their marching orders. That's good. They, they say stuff like, "Well, I know I'm not called to that." And I ask, "How do you how do you know you're not called to go overseas?" Right. How, who is who, who made man's mouth? Right. Right. Who, who? What kind of spirit do you have inside of you? Right. And I just I find it very. Did, did Moses think he was called right. the day before God called him? That's right. To save to right. save the people from Egypt. Did he would he have said? Right. Well, he didn't say I'm not called though. Even after God called him to yeah. it. Yeah. But and, and that's that's the, where the gift thing is. That's why I didn't go to the gift place initially. You know how you said, "Is it what you're most gifted at?" Sure. It's because often you know there's this famous line that I think can be really helpful if used well. Is God does not call the qualified, but qualifies the called. Mm. I think or equips the call equips the call right yeah it's so powerful right yeah it's so helpful because you look throughout scripture and jesus uh, rarely do you see god being with the courts of heaven being like, all right let's see who's the most gifted right yeah. oh gideon certainly him he's full of faith and no he's yeah. well, let me ask you a question go go ahead do you think that there's a difference in calling between calling to the pastoral ministry and calling to another vocation that isn't pastoral ministry would you have any distinction there for a believer? Um, is there a difference between the criteria? 
Yeah, well, there's definitely a qualification difference, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and I would say there's a difference. There, there's certainly a difference between any vocation. Yeah. Is there a and there is a there is a difference in in the sense that you are called to be held accountable for a whole flock and their right. souls, and you'll be held accountable, which you're not held accountable at the same level if you're a Christian doing any other kind of vocation. Right. I think there's a fundamental calling there, and there's a gift set that is unique that either you kind of have or not, mm-hmm. and you can grow in, in them, but there's some, some indistinguishable ones that God has given you or not. So I would say there is a distinction there. Sure. But, I mean, as I talked to my, my, my sermon, is, is we have businesses missions. We have this calling, uh, this ability for you to be a missionary even if you're not a lead pastor. Mm-hmm. You can be a housewife. You can be a businessman. You can be a lawyer. You can do a lot of things. Right. So I think just this idea that only the those who are called to pastor or one to seminary and so forth are called to missions is, is bunk mm-hmm. and hurting us. And I think that it's very important for every Christian to – I don't know if this is super helpful. I, it preaches well, but I want to say it because I – I like it. I like it. I, I still wrestle through it. I heard one guy say, so many of you assumed that, assume you're called to stay, but are willing to go. But I think maybe you should assume you're called to go and be willing to stay. <laughs> okay. Now, here the rea- here's the reality. You need so more. Like the Moravians? Yeah, the Moravian running top. But even the Moravians, only a 30% of them, are, I think, were going. I think to have a healthy, sustaining, going and sending culture of a church for resources and all sorts, you need like a, a thirty to you know rate thirty to seventy ratio or something like that. Sure. A third going out. Um, so and, and you see Paul. He I heard Piper say this in, in one of his talks. Um, Ask Pastor John's. He talks about you know you you don't see Paul saying, hey like everyone should go to Spain with me, right? Like there's work for us to be done in where we're at. Right. So I'm not saying everyone's called, but I think just. Especially for us Western Christians, the idea of unreached people, they're, they're, David Platt says, they're unreached for a reason. They're it's stinking hard. hard to get to. It's hard. I mean, yeah. They're hard to get to, right? right. They're hard language-wise or there's barriers um, economically, culturally, government, government, all, all this oppression. They're hard. And so with one of the greatest idols of our culture of being comfort. And us knowing that, and most Christians being, yeah, yeah, that's totally an idol, whether they are embracing it or not. Like almost everyone's aware of that as a issue, or consumerism, or materialism. If we know that is such a big idol and such a propensity for us, I think it is healthy to at least have that bent to say, you know what, I'm going to curb against my natural bent of self-preservation and self-comfort by saying, maybe I'm called to go, mm-hmm. and I'm going to really need to be convinced I should stay. By my community, and that's here's a big part that I want to talk about vocation. You need to have your community, intentional community, and mentors help you confirm your calling. Mm-hmm. And it may take a long time. We want a quick fix. Oh, I've wrestled through it for a couple of days or a week. No, no, no. It takes seasons sometimes to figure that out. Yeah. And so many people are self-appointed, right? Self-appointed pastors, self-appointed musicians for the glory. Well, whoever it is, like, oh, God has called me this. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me about who. What, what does your church say about that? Right. Right. Who else says that? Right. But it's so against our culture to make decisions within our church community. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I walk with people, I know them well, and I'm shocked when they say, I'm doing this or going here or marrying yeah. this person. Yeah. And it's just like the, the community was not even considered as right. relevant for making a decision. Yeah. And, and, that, and, and this is, this is a, it's not just a wisdom thing. It's a biblical reality, right? Mm-hmm. You don't do that. You don't make decisions that affect your whole family on your own. 
right. without telling them and letting them be part of it. Right. That's that's being bad member it's of the just body. Disregarding your family as, right. as a significant right. thing. Which makes sense why we do it that way because we so view church as not a family but as an institution. So it's a club. You can go in and out if you want to. If yeah. you don't like the services, you can shop for another one. It's not a family. Yes. And so it doesn't matter if you make decisions on your own, which totally makes it. We're being consistent. It's it's there to help you on your individual spiritual journey. That's right. That's right. But, and, but our spiritual journeys aren't intertwined with one another. Right, right. But they're deeply intertwined, right? right. We're deeply, and we have marching orders, and we're part of a, uh, we're a platoon that a has been dispatched. Yeah, or a gang, you know, uh, as Francis talks about in his book. Yeah. Um, is so helpful in the letters of the church. And, um, and so that individual is killing us. And so for any of you guys who are wrestling through what's your calling and vocation, know a couple things. I need to calm down, right? <laughs> one, it can take a long time. I hope no one's listening to this on times two speed right now. Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm not a times two kind of guy. You know? I listen to a lot of podcasts times two and sometimes higher, but uh, I, I think I don't think I'm one of those guys who you can do that too, um, yeah. unless you have like hyperintelligence. So that's um, so one, it may take time. Two, make seek it in the midst of community. Let your community weigh in. You know, and we've all seen. In a non-spiritual reality, you've seen that in American Idol, right? You clearly you see some people who sing and try out, and we're like, "Wow, you definitely you're not called to that." Yeah, you've not called to that. You definitely do not have the community weighing <laughs> yeah. in that, or they were a terrible community and they lied to you, right? Yeah. Um, and so you want community involved. You want mentors to be part of. It. You want to to have time to let biblical counsel walk you through um, your your gifts and what your ambitions are, and and and. and and you also want to try to hedge yourself knowing what the common idols and propensities are mm-hmm. and check your soul, soul, right? Like it's strange when you hear from a number of people, oh, I feel called to be a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. Well, that's convenient because that's the calling that of every single other kid growing up, right? Yeah. Every single non-Christian kid, you know, wants that. Or I'm called to be a famous person to do this or that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's interesting because God doesn't really care about that much in scripture, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem very impressed by that, right? No. And, and he's not a respecter of persons. And so when we see ourselves or see ourselves have ambitions that are outside of the norm of, of the way God works, we gotta, we got to be careful. But the problem is most people don't even have the worldview, biblical worldview, and the biblical categories even know and flag if they're wanting things that are contrary to the, the general scope of Scripture. Right. Well, again, I'm not against that God using celebrities and so forth, but but you just don't see it as much as we think. And it's very Western the way we think, like, oh, if only God would save this person. Yeah. Right? Then if only the president or, right. or the, <laughs> or the <laughs> athlete was a Christian. Yeah, then... did you, you didn't mean to say president. Did you really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other thing, right? But um, so that's that's a big thing is, is just letting your community be part of it. And, and um, it just takes time. And we don't want to take time often. So so that's my bit on vocation. And just so remember a couple things. You can, you can have multiple vocations in a lifetime. And no matter what you're in, you can do it with to the glory of God. Right. Um, provided, um, it, it's here's one thing I, I failed to mention. You want to seek to find jobs that increase the blessing of people. W- what I mean by that is, I, I alluded earlier. I don't think all jobs are equal when it comes to value to people. Okay. Uh, they may have all the same dignity. Right. And I'm assuming people heard the sermon. Or you're 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 smart enough to know that I'm not talking about being an arms dealer or you know drug dealer or all, you know any kind of explicitly wrong things. Well, arms dealers can be okay. Okay, well, yeah, yeah. legal well, ones. So, so you and I are not on the same page on that, but that's okay, right? That's okay. That's something that is not a level one issue, right? Um, 
So, um, but uh, illegal arms dealer or whatever, yeah. let's just say that, right? We're, we're in agreement pimp, on that one. Pimp. I'll just yeah. make the ones that are very easy, no one's arguing okay. for, right? A pimp and so forth. Um, now, let's just take those off the table. There's also, I would say, although maybe trans in a transition phase, you're doing being a barista. You can do it amazingly for the glory of God. But I would not say that is this brings the same value to society as someone who's helping farmers you know, increase their yield in a sustainable way mm-hmm. that brings food on people's or tables. Or neuroscientists like Ben sure. Carson, right, right. separating conjoined right. twins, things like that. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, and Paul Lim, who, you know, who, who helps so many different people with his plastic, his surgery. plastic surgery, right? And he uses plastic surgery for the right reasons, right? For little kids who, yeah, are, who yeah. have issues. Not pilot, pilots and things like that. So so I, I just want to create, make sure we create a category that you, as you seek vocation, what God has called you or different callings you may have it over a lifetime, think about different jobs that can increase. Um, I, I want to be hesitant in using the word shalom because it, it can be loaded and misunderstood. But the shalom of people, the blessing of people, right? Um, it, just because you're, um, just because you like something doesn't mean it's your calling. And, and you, you ought to, it, but it may be. Like your fantasy football thing right, you used right. to do. Yeah, yeah. I was very gifted. Like in that might have been fun, right? Fantasy sports. Um, and But I, I had to wrestle with, and this is something I haven't opened up and talked to a lot of people. People close to me all know, but um, I was very gifted with fantasy sports and working with a fantasy company. But I just had to wrestle with, man, is one, it's very confusing for people. And, and you know, me being a pastor now, all, all the kind of things, there's, there's complications there with ethics and stuff. But fundamentally, is this bringing the shalom to people? And you can roundaboutly argue like, oh, it's entertainment and that's a blessing for people and so forth. But like on the spectrum of does this bring goodness to people, blessing? Is it model the kingdom? Does it give people... Does it increase the human condition? Right, right. Yeah. I, I just couldn't do I couldn't yeah I couldn't mm-hmm. do that long term and so so I think there's more honorable avenues of work yeah not that that's wrong to do that or yeah or inherently wrong yeah yeah, it's not, yeah but but it just doesn't seem as as noble as maybe some other yeah yeah it, it's because you want our work as much as possible to to conduct it and create or whatever it is that you do to give people a, a picture of who God is mm-hmm. and I couldn't see even though I did my job with excellence enjoy i couldn't do it in a way it was harder really really hard yeah that's good and i just want to also mention like you said that there's some jobs that are more beneficial than other jobs and we should strive for them yeah but at the same time like if you if you just find yourself and and you're a janitor yeah and like that's just yeah you're middle-aged you're not getting another career yeah yeah like that's okay too yeah like like if you just if you just love it and and you know like you know, society might say, oh, that's not as high level of job. Yes. But for like, sure. yeah, man, God seems fine with, with, well, with, and, and that's the whole point in Ephesians six, right? Like they're pushing brooms, they're doing menial work and God's saying that's pleasing, right? right? You're doing it for Jesus. Who's your ultimate master. Right. So yeah, I, I do want to say that all work has equal dignity. Mm-hmm. And, but I think it is, it makes sense to be led by the spirit with your community, with your Bible open and looking at your gifts and, and so forth and think about, could you, if you're in a position of privilege to be able to, you know, this this conversation is totally a Western kind of conversation, a privileged conversation. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because like if you're in a certain context where you're just trying to survive, like you're not pondering, oh, should I be in 
professional athlete or not. You you're, know? you're a rice picker. That's yeah, why. sure. You, you got to do what you got to do, yeah. right? So like, I'm, I know our context we're speaking to. We're not speaking to those. We're in that context, right? Right. We're we're speaking to the context where people have some level of mobility within in society at some level and an ability to choose different trades and jobs. Um, and, and, and if, like you said, maybe, maybe you're middle age or older, man, you, you got to do what you got God has given you. And again, you need your community to help confirm that. So I'm assuming a lot of things are going to be filled in with your, with a healthy community. Yeah. I mean, I'm speaking to our people mainly. I'm not speaking to like the thousands who listen, right? Mm-hmm. Cause, cause they're not thousands who listen. Wait, there's not. No, there's not. No, no, there's 10,000. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh, so, so really, we just really need our community to help weigh through these realities. But but think about being strategic about what could you do that would bring more blessing to people, if possible. Right. If possible. Um, the final thing is, I would say, and I'm going to be really short on this, is being exceptional. I said, when it comes to... You're big on this. Work this is, ethic. Yeah. Work ethic and joy and attitude, you should outshine almost everybody at your workplace. You should be a Hall of Famer. Now, you're going to be limited in gifts and so forth. But because you have the Lord's resources with the church and his spirits and the, you're doing it for your boss, you should outwork everyone there. Yeah. With, you should be employed the month. Yeah. With sheer hard work. You should be SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> right? Maybe not the most gifted in intelligence. Or Rudy. Gifted. Has anyone seen the movie Rudy? Rudy. That's right. Rudy. Rudy's yeah. probably better. Yeah. yeah. Rudy. Because um, you're not a fictional sponge. That's or, right. or an idiot. Yeah. Um, now, at the same time, Within the gift set, by the grace of God, with the strength God provides, I, I, I would stress and encourage you to be exceptional in all that you do. Mm-hmm. Work hard at what you do and try to be the best you can do. Now, right. we often want the results of the end of Rudy without going through Rudy's pathway. Mm-hmm. We want the results of someone who's been doing something for years mm-hmm. without the hard work that gets there. Right? Mm-hmm. And we love movies, right? We just see a montage of quick things of them working out or studying the catchy pop song. Yeah. And then it's over and it took them 15 minutes, but really it took them years. Right. And so, you know, we have this, um, 10,000 hour rule that was given by Malcolm Gladwell. There's people who have, um, confirmed it. Other people have disagreed with it. And basically his idea is that it takes 10,000 hours of good practice and experience to become world-class in anything. And typically when they've, they've looked at the world-class elite, Athletes, elite musicians, and so forth, and, and assuming people. you have the predisposition for that. Thing. No, no, he's saying that it wasn't even the gift set. It was so that's that's the ground shattering reality. Well, because I'm you give me ten thousand hours of being a running back, and right, right, right. Still suck. Oh, sure, sure. There, yeah. there is a, there is a, um, yeah, the, within the the realm of possibility, yep. those those who who became world class were people who put in at least 10,000 hours. Okay. Now they searched, there's some people who said that actually some have were less than 10,000, some were 25,000 hours, right? Sure. And so we're talking, we're talking, you know, average of 90 minutes per day for 20 years. Okay. To be world-class. Now, mm-hmm. now there's a lot of nuances to this, like, hey, um, he's talking about world-class, maybe what about someone who's an expert in their field? That's mm-hmm. not the same as being world-class. Sure. You know, being, he, so there's all these nuances to think about, but, but w- what I want to say is that Whatever job you're doing, seek to do it at the highest level possible yeah. for the glory of God. It makes God look great when you do it with the right attitude and heart and do it with excellence unto Him, mm-hmm. not for your own glory, and doing it in a way that blesses people. And I just I see um, kind of a mediocrity that I see in a lot of people. People are okay with the status quo. And if you're doing it for the boss, the real boss, Jesus, you should be doing it wholeheartedly, sincerely. Those are the words that are used in Scripture. And um, and not with high service. 
because your your coworkers will notice. Yeah. And what will surprise them is you're doing it and you're not sucking up to the boss when you're yeah. doing it. And you're but, not doing it for yourself, right. which is even more rare, right? Because right. they notice when people are sucking up to the boss. There are people right. who are working hard yep. to suck up to the boss. And they know when people are working hard because they're trying to make a name for themselves. But right. we're doing neither. We're doing it for yeah. the glory of God. That's right. That's what will confuse them. Yeah. That's right. That's really good. And so I just want to challenge you to, to whatever you're doing, do it to the glory of God, which means with all of your heart, wholeheartedly. And so that may look like taking additional classes or it looks like reviewing the work that you do and trying to think better, uh, taking mentors and people who are successful in your field out to lunch and asking well, whatever it is. And it takes a long time. And we, um, in our context, love to do it quickly. Sure. And it doesn't take to be world-class or to be an expert or to be excellent to the glory of God. It takes time. Sure. Man, there's so much to talk about here. Do you have a category for, I'm not going to seek this promotion so I can give more time to my church community? Yes. So the, there's balance in all of this. Like, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. So my mom start, went back to work. Okay. Okay. And she's given, within a couple of months, she's gotten two promotions already. And she was offered another promotion. And she told her boss, who I don't think is Christian, she said, I don't even have enough time to read my Bible and pray anymore. I'm not taking that. Mm. I, need, I need to That's be good. with Jesus. That's good. That's awesome. Yeah. Praise God. Because again, that's showing that at the end of the day, it's not about profits. It's not about job performance. It's about Jesus. Amen. Right? So again, we're doing all this for Jesus, for right. his glory. And so it, it would not be to his glory if you neglected all of that for profits and to be the best at what you do, right? Because right. it's fundamentally, we're called to be lovers of God. We're called to be lovers of other people. We're called to make disciples. And that is primary. Right. You, you use your job as a tool to fuel that, as a medium for that. And if it ever gets in the way of that, you got to do some serious reevaluation. That's right. Yeah. So that, that's something I really wanted because I think some people hear this. I'm so grateful you push back here and ask that because I do have that category because I do see some people say, hey, I'm doing all for the glory of God. And they're totally, they're sucking at leading their life, loving their family, or um, and they're neglecting all the kind of things that God has prioritized and explicitly called them to do. That's right. So. Yeah. It takes wisdom. And again, community, 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 mentorship, pastors in your life, walking you through this, who know their Bibles better than you, other people who are wiser than you, people who will say hard things to you, who will speak the truth in love. We need that when we think about vocational work. This, these are touchy places that we as Americans often say, no one can touch this. This is my yeah. thing. is my manifest destiny, destiny or whatever we kind of have our mindset on. Yeah. And we need each other to weigh in. I mean, we hear all these things and it's almost like there's no more time for Netflix and social media. Yeah. Yeah, like seriously. I, it's just an interesting thought. Um, hey, let, let that, let did that, you see what I posted like two days ago? No. Man, I just posted like an argument for why we should, most people shouldn't. Tal Newport has a book called Deep Work, and he's been extremely fruitful um, in his life, and he's in his like early 30s, okay. and he's never had social media, and he, he argues that most people should not have social media, and the reality is you could probably, you will live a more fruitful, healthy life without social media, Netflix, and so forth, 99% people out there. Right. I know there's 1% who it's important for their field and all that kind of other different things that they may need to do. Or they're really good at managing it somehow. Right, right. But majority of people, man, you will do so much better. And so if you want to be elite in all these kind of work, uh, work with um, excellence unto the Lord with all your heart, wholeheartedly, um, and make disciples and prioritize making disciples and intimacy with Jesus, you're going to have to cut some things. That's right. You are limited in your time. You're, you are not God, and you will have to cut things. Because you can't be excellent at your job and sold out to your church yeah. and live a life of leisure. Right. Like, it's just... Yep. You can't. Something's got to give. Pick two. And sadly, Jesus and the church goes mm. for most American Christians for their work they and for their leisure. Work. 
Right. Or they get fired. Oh, man. I gotta, okay, we get, we're going long, but i got to show this one thing. I heard this right. recently that in like, like 30, 40 years ago, they were they – were, the way the economy was working and how the job market was growing and automating things and, and, and how people were becoming more specialized, people were starting to fear that in like you know, in 30, 40 years from now, around where we're at now, we would have not enough work for people to do. Mm-hmm. That the work hours would be like twenty hours, and they would they would the have robots to do it all. Right, we would have a surplus of leisure, and they were trying to figure out what would we do with that. But what we found is Americans, instead of in being able to utilize that leisure for for our good, we have opted for more money, and expanded our work weeks. Mm-hmm. And so we work more than any other country, but we rest less and we do less things that matter in eternity. Because we've opted for more money, mm-hmm. and so we've given up with our time. So it's just why am I talking about this? Oh yeah, because priorities. That's right. It's all about kingdom priorities, and so mm-hmm. again, all of it comes down to the kingdom and all the things God has called us. Okay, we gotta we gotta go. This is enough for this. This is enough. All right. Yeah. I hopefully this is helpful. I get a phone call in four minutes. I gotta get yeah. prepared for. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our ramblings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it was helpful. I, I believe it's helpful. I, I believe the Holy Spirit was yeah. would, would bless us. So um, thanks so much for tuning in.